All righty, we're back. So this is a first. Uh, I was in the middle of interviewing uh, Carlos. We're actually coming towards the end of the interview with Carlos, and I noticed that the, the on-air stream was only about maybe a minute or two left. So somehow, somehow I was only scheduled for 15 minutes of showtime. So uh, I guess I just uh, did not read it properly. I had my uh, my Oscar moment, so to speak, uh, the wrong envelope. But uh, luckily, I was able to reschedule a new show for 8.30. So special thanks to Carlos Palomino. Some of the interview was uh, off the air and on the uh, archive. So my plan is to uh, put everything together into one episode that I can upload once all of this is done. But uh, from here on out, uh, we should be having Pablo Cruz calling in momentarily, and then uh, we'll have our panel with Zach Familio, Joe Chiambo, Ron Christian, and whoever else uh, decides to chime in. Frank Zong was scheduled to come on, but I think uh, Frank has uh, ran into a prior commitment that might prevent him from uh, coming on. So, uh, Right now, we're just waiting for uh, the uh, call-in guest, Pablo Cruz, who is fighting on the undercard uh, Saturday night against Ricky Lopez. So if he does not call in in the next couple of minutes, it looks like here he is right on time. Uh, And before I introduce him, I'll just say Pablo is a professional fighter fighting in the featherweight division for his professional record of 14-1 and one with six knockouts. He is fighting Saturday night in Barclays Center on the undercard in a six-rounder against Ricky Lopez, none other than Pablo Cruz. Pablo, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you for having me on your show. Oh, thank you so much for coming on. So close to flight time. Uh, I know it's a, a, a busy time for you. So, uh, And you are a, a resident of a Houston. Fight takes place in Brooklyn Saturday night. More of my neck of the woods. I'm a Bronx uh, native, Pablo. So uh, talk a little bit about the, the steps you've taken to get here so far. When did you arrive in New York? And what have you been doing to keep yourself busy and focused since your arrival? Well, actually, we got here today, and, um, you know, all I've been doing is actually just laying down, <laughs> and that's it, and just watching TV and just, kept, you know, keeping myself focused for the fight on Saturday. Well, actually, tomorrow is, uh, you know, tomorrow's the weigh-in, and from there, uh, you know, we actually should have a relaxed day and just focus on the fight. All right, and you're not a stranger to New York. You you, you fought here uh, once before, and it was actually the only loss on your uh, professional record. Uh, stopped in two rounds against Adam Lopez in Westbury, New York. A little bit different from Brooklyn. So uh, did, did, did you get any psychological issues <laughs> coming back to uh, the area that uh, you, you did not perform your best in? Talk a little bit about that. Uh, no, nah, it's just, you know, it just things happen, you know, it was just actually, it was a challenge for me because uh, I was, um, I was fighting at 122 and, it, you know, it was a little struggle, but no, nah, man, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm really excited. I mean, I'm fighting on my way, 126, what I love, uh, you know, and uh, it should be no issue. I'm just here to fight and, you know, I have a great time, make a show and, you know, just make myself be recognized in front of people. Yeah, in that Lopez fight, you were uh, the lowest weight you were ever as a pro. Uh, you actually under 121, a little over 120. Uh, did you overtrain for that fight, fighting a big name like Lopez? 
Uh, actually, uh, you can say something like that, man. I was just, you know, I was actually surprised I hit that weight, and, you know, because, um, uh, like, the, you know, our dieting was different, our training was different, it was just, you know, everything, it was just different, and, um, you know, dropping that weight, man, it was just, whoa, man, you know, and actually, I was coming down from a big weight, man, all the way down, you know, I still had a six, uh, six-week training camp. You know, it was going great and everything, but it was just man, it was just uh, it was just that weight. You know, I just didn't take care of myself, and uh, and you know, it just it paid. You know, in other words, you know, it just it shot me, it shot me in the back, man. That's how it was. You know, learning experience. All right, yeah, it's a good 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 learning experience there. So, talk a little bit about. Uh, the physicality of uh, being more comfortable at at this weight. Uh, the, the last fight you weighed in just a little bit uh, under 126. Uh, talk a little bit about how the, the benefits of fighting at 126. You said it's your weight, so to speak. Uh, uh, talk a little bit about uh, in terms of like, you know, obviously you don't have to cut as much weight, but the, what, what are the other factors in there? Why are you more comfortable at this weight? Uh, well, actually, I've been watching. I've uh, been watching my 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 weight. I really don't, haven't gone been. Uh, you know, I don't go no more than 140, 138. So that's a good thing about that weight. And uh, you know, I just keep myself active. And you know, every week is lose like three pounds. And that's the way I've been keeping it lately. And like, uh, you know, uh, this fight actually was a little short notice, but you know, I'm always I'm always at the gym. I'm always in shape. You know, I'm always concentrated. So. That's what my manager, my trainers, uh, you know, we took this fight. And um, like I told him, I feel comfortable at 126. There'll be no issue. And, and since you've been fighting at that high weight, you're riding a, a three-fight knockout streak. So I guess it's safe to say you have a little, you feel a little bit more confident with power uh, moving up in weight. You carry that power up, whereas, you know, when you were fighting uh, at a lower weight uh, or prior to that change, you, you, a lot of your fights were going the distance. You're on a three-fight knockout streak now. Explain the, the, the circumstances of that. Why Why all the sudden surge in power? Because uh, my mentality is different now. It's just, you know, it is what it is. You know, just go out there. I'm there to, you know, I'm there to hurt people, man. And, you know, that's the way it is. You know, they got the same mentality. I know my opponent here, you know, he got the same mentality. He's trying to go out there and knock me out, you know. You know, he's there to win, you know, kill or be killed, that's it. And, you know, that's that's what I take there. And then, you know, I got to be first, I got to be aggressive, I got to be first. And just don't let him, uh, you know, in other words, just frustrate him. Don't let him get on his game plan and just throw him off. And, you know, that's it. Uh, that's the main thing I've been just concentrated lately. Just be there first and, you know, just, you know, try to hit him. <laughs> Hey, you mentioned taking this fight on uh, short notice. Uh, you were just in the ring in uh, early February, a successful first-round stoppage in that fight, and now a you know, quick turnaround. So explain the circumstances of how this opportunity uh, came to be. Yeah, I mean, I mean, out of the blues, um, you know, I had a first-round stoppage. I I wasn't really impressed about the fight, you know, because, um, like I said, I, I, I almost haven't been fighting, like, almost. I haven't been active, I believe, like, seven or eight months. And then I was expecting for, the, you know, the fight to go a little long, but, you know, I stopped the guy in the first round. I reason, uh, really wasn't happy with it, but, you know, sometimes it just happened. And, I was, and after that, uh, you know, a couple, I uh, believe, like, a couple of days later, my manager called, he called me up and he just, he just told me, we got this fight for you. 
I don't even want to take it. And I was like, yeah, man, I do want to take it. You know, I want to go to war, man. That's that's the issue of this, man. Just, you know, I want to, you know, I just want to get that feeling going. And I know, uh, you know, um, Ricky Lopez, I seen him, you know, a couple of little clips of him. You know, he likes to fight, man. You know, that's what I really like. <laughs> Yeah, I was gonna bring up uh, Ricky Lopez. He he is a a step up in competition, I would say. Seventeen and four record, certainly a step up with experience. He's fought a lot of rounds. Uh, so talk a little bit about your opponent uh, and what you know about him. Um, like I said, I just barely just know something about him. But this week, you know, he's I just um, you know my manager he sent me a couple of clips just to watch him. You know he's a real. Uh, uh, he seems like a little aggressive fighter. You know he got. He, he goes there and put everything he has. And you know, I think it's gonna be an exciting fight, man. You know. Now you're fighting on a, a grand scale here, Barclays Center. Obviously, the big main event, uh, Keith Thurman versus uh, Danny Garcia. Uh, certainly going to be a lot more press there than I would imagine in uh, most of your other fights. Uh, I mean, the high-profile, high-stakes uh, evening, and you are part of it. Uh, how does that come into play? Do you want to – I mean, you've already talked about you how you have a, a different uh, – your mentality where you want to go in there and get the knockouts. Uh, is the ante up a little bit, so to speak, that you, you put pressure on yourself even more because this is a big, high-profile event? No, honestly, I don't feel that way. Just you know, it's just another fight. That's all it is. Just you know, I'm just there in the ring, concentrating only me and him, and that's it. You know, just just let my hands do the speaking, and and that's it. You know, I'm like you know everybody. You know, I uh, um you know every time you a little nervous. Nah, man, just you know I'm I'm you know I'm I know what I'm getting myself into, but you know I'm just here focused on the fight, and that's it. And then at the end of the fight, you know, you're concentrating the Thurman and Garcia fight, just enjoy it. <laughs> Now, I was going to ask you about that, uh, you know, leading up to this, obviously, uh, the fight that all the boxing world is focused on is talking uh, about. Uh, some boxers, however, uh, are not particularly fight fans. They don't watch other fights. Uh, where do you fall into play? Like, are you a fight fan? Are you looking forward uh, to the main event Saturday night? Actually, I am. You know, they're both great fighters, you know. Um, I just want to see who's the top, who's the top dog, you know, that's it. <laughs> You know, I know they're going to put up a great show. Both of them, they always do. And, uh, you know, I know this is going to be great for boxing. So, you know, regardless yeah, what definitely. happens, it's gonna, I, I, I feel it's going to be a great fight, man, no matter what. Definitely, definitely. We're talking with uh, featherweight Pablo Cruz, who's fighting Saturday evening on the undercard against uh, Ricky Lopez. Give a, a little self-scouting report of you, uh, Pablo, for some of the fans out there who might not have seen you uh, fight. Uh, if you were to describe your style and uh, what you do in the ring, uh, how would you put it? Uh, you could say I'm just uh, an aggressive fighter. You know, I just, in other words, I love because he's banging out, you know. But um, that's the one thing that we actually had changing on, on these training camps, you know, just, don't only try to go look for the knockout. We got to set up for the knockout. You know, a lot. Of, uh, I've been working a lot of my jab, a lot of movements, a lot of steps. So uh, it's going to be something different, you know, uh, that uh, my trainer's been putting on me. And, you know, everything coming out good, even on sparring and everything. So this should be a new Pablo in the ring. So, you know, that's good. Uh, back then, like, if you always see me, I would just 
I'll be an excited fighter. You go out there and just and just put that pressure on you and just you know try to break you down. But now it's just different. You know, same thing, but just a little bit more fancy. You could say <laughs> more movement, more jabs. You know, and uh, just try to settle my combinations and just set the power punches. And uh, what kind of a style do you feel most comfortable uh, against? Do you like the uh, the fight, the, the pressure fighter, the the kind of fighter that uh, Keith Thurman had to deal with when he fought Sean Porter? Uh, do you like to be the, the guy who's aggressive and uh, has to chase down the cutie, like to show off your skills, cutting off the ring? Uh, do you have a preference in what kind of opponent that, that you like to relish against? Uh, I mean, honestly, like I said back then, I used to put that. I'm the one who used to put that pressure. But now it's just it's just different. It, all, it depends how the uh, fight falls. If I have to put that pressure, I put the pressure. If I don't, then I don't. You know, I just move around, just box around. You know, I could try to mix it up, do whatever. You know, it, it all depends on, on on you know on the tempo of the fight. That's all. But um, you know, if I have to put that pressure on him, I you know, hey, I, I would love to do it. <laughs> So uh, you wouldn't mind, you don't mind a telephone booth style fight. That's the fight that sells tickets and uh, it draws ratings too, by the way. So uh, good stuff there. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but you know, it's gonna trust me. It's gonna be, you know, it's gonna be a firecracker fight, man. Trust me, man. I know I went back I, then. I know me, uh, Ricky Lopez went back down. Like I said, like I seen a little clips of him, man. He goes out there and go to war. Yeah, definitely, definitely uh, a veteran guy, even though you are uh, listed anyway as a year older than him. You're, you're the youngest-looking 30-year-old I've ever seen. What's your secret? Man, just keep myself shaped, be good. <laughs> Don't party hard. <laughs> All right. And that's it, man. You know, I always keep – I'm always, like I said, I'm always active. Man. You know, I, I love running. You know, I do a little, little – um, you know, a little couple of little marathons. I play soccer. I'm always active, you know, and – I'm always at the gym, so I think that has a big part of my life, you know. All right, good stuff there. And your, your nickname uh, or your alias in the ring is uh, the Lethal Mosquito, possibly the yeah. most unique <laughs> nickname I've ever heard for a boxer. Talk a little bit about how that came into play. Uh, that actually started when I was amateur. Um, actually, one of my friends, he was just like, you know, like I said, it was that pressure, man. I was just go up there and it was just hard, you know, it was just hard to just, you know, for uh, for someone to get away from me. It was that pressure I was putting on. It was like, no matter what you were doing, why, wiping, whatever, I would just never get off. <laughs> and they just came out with that lethal mosquito. And that's, since then, it just, it just stuck with me. All right. Well, you, you threw it out there about, about the amateurs. So uh, give us a little bit of a, of a you know synopsis of what uh, life was like for you in the amateurs. Uh, the big uh, adjustments you had to make since turning pro. Uh, a, a lot, I hear a lot of horror stories about the amateurs in terms of corruption. But uh, every boxer says that the amateurs really prepared them for the pros. So give us a little bit of your story about that. Uh, actually, did um like I said, I really didn't, I really. Don't remember how many amateurs I have had. I probably had like forty something. I made the Olympic team for El Salvador. I went over there and fought, and um, you know, you know, I made the Olympic team and everything. It was pretty hard though, you know, because um, you know, the boxing committee over there in El Salvador, you know, they're, they're pretty ain't doing that good. But uh, you know, I had a great experience. You know, I traveled with the team. You know, I was trying to qualify for the for the Pan American Games, but the only thing was my style really wasn't fitting for the amateur. It was actually, uh, how can I say, like a pro style, you know, just 
right, more right. and more and more into a pro style. Like there, we just you know just blah blah blah. You know, just 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 throw punches and you know try to connect on points. That was all actually all it was. And every time I was fighting them, you know, I would just hurt the person. But you know, it was one or two, three shots. They will come out with a thousand shots. You know, they won't hurt me. But you know, um, the judges, you know, they would just score on it, and you know, that's that's the way. That was the only thing that sucks about the amateur. It was actually on points. He just didn't, they didn't go, um, you know, how how aggressive the 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 fighter was, or you know, who was more in control of the fight. It was just that it looked like they were just going for whoever just threw more punches. And uh, you know, then uh, from there, you know, I started to manage to make, uh, you know, we could just work out to go pro. And that's what we did. You just took, you know, we just took a step. All righty, good stuff there. And uh, talk a little bit about as a professional fighter, uh, you know, a lot is always made of the people who work in the fighter's corner, your trainer, uh, people working your team. I, I know you have a good manager. Uh, what, what about your training, uh, you know, the, that the, those people that prepare you for the fight, that give you advice? in that crucial one minute in between rounds. Talk a little bit about it. Have you been lucky enough to have uh, the same training team from the start, or were there any changes uh, over the years? No, no, no. I've been I've been with Coach Navarro, you know, uh, for a while. And then, uh, man, he's been excellent, you know. He's a, he's a great mentor, man. He always keeps me focused, you know, always keeps me on track. And, um, you know, he uh, – uh, you know he always makes his work, man. He he's, he always makes he always makes sure that I'm always on top. Like he's right, you know he came right now. He just you know just told me to rest, and later on you know he's gonna go and just walk around and you know just shake little things out. But when it comes you know to the corners, it's different. You know he just you know he sees the you know he's the one who's out outside and seeing what's wrong and what I could do and try to fix and you know try to make the fight a little bit well, better just to go on our part. He just, you know, he's the he's the eyes, you know. In other words, outside the ring, and he always does get good pointers. He always gives me good pointers. Him, I got a coach Bobby too, another great trainer too that he helps us out. And uh, like I said, I got a great team, man. Great team. All right. Uh, other than the the fight with Lopez, uh, talk about the biggest, uh, the tensest moment, the most adversity you had to overcome in the ring, whether it was uh, not being able to find your opponent or things weren't just clicking as it usually does, or maybe having to recover from a really hard shot that got delivered on you. What was the most adverse moment for you that you had to overcome in a winning fight? Uh, well, actually, my, I think my problem was that I got up too quick. You know, it was just a shock. Actually, it was the first time ever that, you know, I've uh, been on the canvas. Uh, I just didn't know how to react, you know. And I was just trying to do the machismo, you know, get up and, hey, come on, man, right, well, let's go to war. Right. What I'm talking about, though, Pablo, is in the fights that you've won, what was the most adversity you've had to overcome in, in, a, in a victory where you might have been hurt or you might have had trouble, uh, you know, losing some rounds? Uh, can you talk about that? Uh, well, I mean, really, just, I just being myself. That's all it was, just keep myself focused, keep my hands up, keep my defense. I was working more on my defense. Uh, luckily, uh, you know, the couple of fights haven't been hurt, you know, so, uh, that's good, but main thing is been working a little bit more on my defense, you know, and just, I mean, it's really, really nothing has changed, you know, since, since I fought Adam, you know, I just, you know, same thing, but we see, well, I mean, we're going to see what's, uh, for this fight, you know, I'm real excited, 
But um, like I said, really nothing has changed uh, since since I fought Adam. Now you're a resident of uh, Houston, I believe, uh, Texas, right? Uh, you uh, and it is a proud tradition, a boxing tradition in Texas. And every Texas, every fighter with Texas roots or, or Houston roots, uh, I can think of it. They have a very aggressive, good offensive style, crowd pleasing style. Uh, I think of the Rocky Juarez is, uh, you know, and stuff like that. What is what is it about the the state of Texas that breeds such aggressive fighters? What's going on over there? Uh, I don't know what it is, man. It's just Texas, I believe. <laughs> <laughs> That's all it there, is. Really. You know um, what's going on. Uh, well, I, mean, I guess it's just, you know, uh, the guys before us, I guess, you know, we see them like, you know, I, I had, you know, a great honor helping uh, Rocky actually for some of his fights. And, you know, he always been aggressive. Uh, other other great fighters too, man, over there in Houston. And I guess that kind of just sticks with you. And then little by little, you start adding your own your own spices, you know. But the aggression, I guess, it just never goes away. You know, you go to a boxing gym, man, just, you know, if you go to our boxing gym, every it's just man, it's just totally, it's just totally different. Every everybody that's there, man, it always has to work. You don't see. I, I think I never seen a light sparring in our gym. It's always just hard, hard, hard working. And uh, and I guess that just motivates everybody there to just watch us. You know, watches people sparring. And you know, I think that's all it is. It's just you know, I guess the hunger right. that we have and <laughs> the work that we put in. Yeah, right, right. I've interviewed Rocky Juarez, one of my favorite fighters uh, of modern times and super nice guy. So uh, good, good to see you have connection with him. Uh, so uh, give us a, a good sparring story, though, for yourself. I, I always love hearing how uh, a lot of these uh, professional fighters, uh, they, they spar with each other. Uh, do you have a good sparring story you could share with us? Uh, well, actually, yeah, man, like like Rocky, man. Like, you know, Maybe sometimes he would be catching me with some good shots, and then at the end of the day, he's like, hey, Pablo, you know, you're doing this and you're doing that wrong. And, you know, he would always give us nice little pointers, you know. He would always be, you know, he would always give us great pointers to me and my other friend, aspiring, aspiring friend, Miguel Flores, you know. And uh, he was always one of our teachers, in other words, and then we always take his advice. And, you know, we always give us points sometimes, you know, even when he would catch us with a good shot, you know, he's only ever try to, try to go out there and get that point back. Just take your time, you know, settle yourself down. Because I ain't going to lie, there was just a couple of times that Rocky, you know, he actually had Rocky me like, you know, whoa, you know, you made my legs kind of wiggle. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure. You know, and he could see it, and he would come at it, and he's like, man, you got to relax, Pablo. You know, just, hey, we happen, it happened. Just, you know, it doesn't mean for you to be out there and try to get, you know, trying to get the hit back. Just take your time, settle it down, and, you know, it's going to work out. But, you know, if you, you show them that you got hurt, you know, that's that's not good. <laughs> <laughs> good. Good stuff there. And uh, before I let you go, let's talk a little bit about the featherweight the division. I mean, you, you could certainly make an argument this is the most talented division in boxing right now. You got Gary Russell Jr., uh, Santa Cruz, Abner Mares, uh Lee Selby, all title holders, Oscar Valdez. Uh, you got guys like Frampton there, uh, Carlos Zambrano. I mean, uh, a rich, talented division. Oh, give us an overall synopsis of, of the division and when you think you could be ready uh, to fight on that level. Um, and I would love to be on that level, man. I, as you know, I want to be in the top ten. That's one of my goals, you know, but... 
honestly, you know, I got to take my time, you know, slowly. You know, got to climb the ladders little by little, and that's it. You know, I guys got to be winning my fights. And uh, whatever they bring in front of me, that's it, man. Just, you know, search and destroy, man. That's all I have to do. You know, just keep improving myself, um, you know, and just take my time. Uh, you know, all these champions are, you know, at 126, they took their time, man. It was just, you know, out of the blue, just from one day to one day. And, you know, they took their time. And, I, you know, the same thing uh, goes to me. And But hopefully, you know, my goal is to get up there with the dogs, man. You know, I want to be a champion, too. I want to hold one of them belts. And I want to, you know, I would like to fight one of well, it was already in a title, you know. All right, good stuff there. And thank you for joining us during this busy time. Tomorrow's the weigh-in. Go relax. Uh, looking forward to the fights on Saturday. Pablo Cruz, I'll give you some uh, closing remarks for you. Thank you for coming on the show, and I'd uh, love to talk to you again. All right, man. Thank you for having me, man. you have anything out there you want to throw out there, Instagram, Twitter, any social media you want to plug before you get out of here? Uh, well, I mean, they could follow me on, the inst- on Instagram, Sancudo503. You know, Facebook, Pablo Antonio Cruz, or uh, on Twitter, the real Pablo Cruz. You know, uh, I try to do my best, you know, because, you know, they send me any questions or anything like that. You know, I try to do my best to answer them. But, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, trying to keep, you know, trying to keep myself in touch with the fans, you know. But if they can, just, you know, just hit me up. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. And uh, have a good rest of your evening. All right. Thank you. You too, sir. All right, thank you. All right, good stuff there. And, uh, you know, this division is stacked. I mean, uh, hopefully some of these champions will will fight each other. Uh, You know, Russell Jr. is a guy who, uh, you know, bounced back very nicely after losing to Lomachenko. Obviously, Santa Cruz just won the uh, uh, belt back from uh, Frampton. Yeah, um, Mares uh, successful in a fight where I didn't think he did too. Uh, I didn't think he won against uh, Quayar. I think he was fighting, and uh, I, I wasn't on the air during that fight. But uh, and uh, Lee Selby's always uh, interesting. So uh, we have a lot of good stuff uh, at the top there, and uh, hopefully some of these guys fight each other. And uh, Pablo uh, has an important fight against a, a veteran uh, Saturday night uh, on a big stage. So let's see how he does. Uh, let's see how we do when we come back. When we come back, we'll have our panel ready for the Thurman Garcia preview.
All righty, welcome back to Zoots Boxing Talk, the boxing show where we bring you sweet science, although with some technical problems, straight up with no twist. Everything seems to be uh, rocking and rolling now as we're going to get our panel uh, started. We're waiting on Zach Pamilio to call in. He should be calling in momentarily. Uh, we're going to start off first with uh, an old veteran of the show. A man who is probably crying his cocoa puffs right now as we speak as Joe Embiid is out for the season. However, the 76ers look promising nonetheless. Mr. Ron Christian, how are you doing tonight, my friend? <laughs> Zeus, uh, as usual, you hit all of my sore spots very neatly. Thank you so much. <laughs> we speaking to you from Philadelphia. Well, despite the fact that Embiid is gone, it looks like you guys might be in line for uh, some prime. I don't know if you playoffs there, but playing some very good basketball. That it's something that you couldn't have said for a very long time in Philadelphia. Uh, very true. Philadelphia fans are near rioting over the whole circumstance with uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons being out, and it's just a it's a freaking mess down here. Yeah. But we do have Danny Garcia coming up Saturday night. Philly's got yeah. some hope. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and as long as Embiid is uh, showing his dance moves on the floor, uh, on, on stage in concert, you have nothing to worry about. You know, He'll be back soon yeah. enough. <laughs> He's a spectacular Sorry. player. We are very enthusiastic about this kid. His yeah, I like him. Skin. We're very big on him. Yes, yes. Well, well, we'll talk more about that off the air. Uh, I'm going to put you on hold momentarily. Uh, we're going to introduce uh, a newcomer to uh, Zoot's Boxing Talk. Uh, he's going to participate on the panel tonight, but obviously not a newcomer to the world of boxing. He's the director of operations of Split Team Management. And uh, welcome to the show. And uh, like myself, a New York guy. Very rare I get a New York guy on here to talk to. Joe Kiambo. Welcome to the show, Joe. Thank you, Anthony. I appreciate you having me as a guest. And uh, with Ron, trust the process. Well, I mean, I don't know if you're a basketball fan, but seeing the Knicks, I can't trust that process. <laughs> yeah, I, I bring up the Knicks much. Uh, it's very hard, heartbreaking. Uh, uh, I think the Sixers are in a much better position than our Knicks, uh, Joe, right now. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. And uh, and. Zach Familio, and I kid you not when I say this, one of the greatest, uh, not only boxing I know, but IQs in general. I mean, uh, our current president has nothing on this guy when it comes to IQs. Zach Familio, welcome back. Gee, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm in such great company. I mean, I'm not to say that uh, these other fellows don't, but, uh, you no, know. No, I'm in company with, with Donald Trump. <laughs> oh, Karen, well, he brags, Karen about his, he, brags, he brags about his IQ all the time. Uh, so, uh, oh, okay. <laughs> uh, oh, now, now I get the connection. I, I, I right, thought right. it was the way I was doing my hair. No, 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 no. But uh, I'll take you over him any day. And uh, anybody that sends me Tomb of Dracula covers, like on, like on, on the spot. He's got, you know, he's, got, he's got everybody beat. But uh, welcome to the show. Should be fun. We have, we got a big fight uh, coming up. And uh, Zach, I'll start with you. And 
uh, Joe about this as well, but and Ron, but I, I don't know how much experience Ron has with this because a fight of this nature when you have two big superstars, Zach, and we talk about A side versus B side in uh, fights all the time. You're no stranger to that. Uh, and uh, with this fight, how does that work out? I mean, is there such thing? Are they A1 and A2? How, how, how does that work out? Because that fascinates me. Uh, well, I mean, it's it, it's it's probably one of the rare times where there probably is no B-side. I mean, usually, I mean, I mean, everybody's an opponent. I've, I find myself saying this often to um, to fighters who have a uh, inflated self self uh, sense of importance uh, that everybody's an opponent for someone eventually. I mean, technically, Pacquiao was Ma- was is Mayweather's opponent. Um, this might be like the exception to the rule. Because, I mean, I don't know. I'm not dialed into the uh, inner sanctum of, of, of Heyman Dome, uh, but uh, I don't even know who they want to win this fight. I mean, I mean, I would think maybe because, I mean, the Latin aspect of it, you might want the, the Latino guy to win, but, you know, because he's just more marketable. But I don't know. I mean, I, I think Thurman's popular in Florida. I mean, I... I don't know. I, I, I think this might be AA. Yeah, but with that, somebody has to walk down the aisle first. And as silly as it may sound, that's held up fights in the past. Do you, do you know who is going to walk down the aisle first? Uh, I, I don't. And I, 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 you just said it right on the head. As silly as it may sound, because, and I've had to deal with, you know, with you know insane things like guys refusing to come out if somebody didn't have their music right or something, but you know, uh, pardon pardon my French, but it's all bullshit. You know, I mean, like, right, right. that doesn't make you fight. You know, it's you know, it, 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 I mean, I understand the whole gamesmanship and you know, it, you know me, you're 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 of, you're you're of my mentality of like you know, I wish everybody could be like Alexis Arguello and not care and just go and shake hands and then. You know, fight like gentlemen, but uh, right, you know, right. but you know, there has to be. I mean, I mean, one, not to go and not answer your question, but I mean, one of the things that kind of put me off in the lead up to this was, you know, the uh, it actually happened in in Philly at uh, at Temple was the, um, you know, was the whole you know Thurman getting into the ring and getting into the in, into the argument with Danny in the ring, and it was, I think, you know, somebody in, like you know, gotten a capture of that, of like a photo of them going like nose to nose arguing. And I was like, and I've seen better, I've seen better staged acting than on Piper's pit, you know, cause it was so obviously, you know, orchestrated and, and I've never right, found right, any right. of that necessary. I know I'm in the minority. I know people love that, love the hype and love the fake animosity, you know, and then they're like, well, wow, they're actually hugging after the fight. Yeah. Because there was no real animosity to begin with. Um, you know, so I think it's all BS, and I think, like, if, like, Thurman walks second, it doesn't make him the A-side. It means maybe he he won a coin flip. That's all. Right, right, right. You know, I, 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 I genuinely – it actually is, you know, not to take time from anybody else, but it's part of a conversation I was just having with a, with a Vinny Scalpino, who's been a guest on, on your show, that, like, you know, even though he keeps winning court cases uh, – you know, one of the things that, you know, is pretty, 
readily available that I mean that people know and and they don't even try to hide at this point is that it's Heyman guy versus Heyman guy, you know which. You know, a lot of people go, well, how is that legal? You know, it, you know, I, I remember uh, Morrow, the, the Showtime announcer, going, the house of Heyman is divided tonight when he had one guy fighting another. And it's like everybody's <laughs> kind of looking around like, you know, that's not supposed to happen. But, you know, um, you know, it's it's happening and it's legal. So, I mean, like, I, I, I mean, do they even care who wins? I mean, I, I guess I guess in a weird way, it's actually a good thing because maybe it's just like, hey, look, let's just have a good fight. Yeah, and certainly that is what we want. Uh, Joe, I'm going to get you in on this. And it fascinates me only because fighters actually make a big deal about it. Uh, you know, and it, Do you know any uh, anything about it? has it been determined who will walk in first? Because uh, typically when big fights like this, what I, what I remember is the guy who walks in second will be announced first so that will like offset things in terms of a side b side do you have any information on this i don't but what you just said that's probably going to be the case where whoever comes in first gets introduced last and vice versa because that's the only way possible way where you're going to make both of them happy and even with that they're not going to be happy but like i said it doesn't in the end of the day it doesn't really matter it's what happens when the bell rings yeah, and, you know, as somebody who's competed, uh, Joe, uh, why do you think it matters so much to some fighters? Now, I, you know, I don't know if it, it was a big deal here. I didn't hear anything about it, but uh, in other cases, it has been a big deal. Why do you think uh, so- certain fighters it, it matters more? I guess it's just you know, it's one of those things mentally. Like when Floyd was trying to get Pacquiao to agree to certain things. They wanted that edge. So when both of them are, you know, say they're both fighting for it, coming in last and this and that, whatever they want, if they win anything, they feel they got an edge. And it's ego, too. You got two strong-minded fighters that have big egos, and that ego, you know, has kept them both undefeated. And it's just something that they think they should be coming in second. They are the star fighter there, so... That's probably, you know, that's probably more likely the the main reason why they want to be <laughs> coming in second and now second. Right, but right, right. More right, like, right. like you said, more likely they're going to, whoever comes in first gets introduced last and vice versa. So, you know, me as a fan, I just want to see them get it, get it on. It's going to be a great fight. You have two, you know, two of these guys undefeated. They were in the amateurs together. They know each other pretty well. You know, there's a lot of talk between the two camps. It's, you know, even though it's selling, hey, it sold me because I already know, regardless of the, of the talking, I just want to see a great fight in boxing, and this is what boxing needs. That's good stuff there. And, uh, Ron, I don't want to leave you out, but I don't want to spend that much more time on it because we have a lot to get to. But uh, anything to add to this prima donna set? Uh, you, you're, you're, talk, you're talking to a completely wrong guy. I once was doing the ring announcing for a fight. Buster Douglas had come back. He was fighting three different guys this night, uh, three rounds each. And he was fighting some kind of a bus boy in the third fight. And I actually introduced him first. And uh, somebody really made hell about it. I apologized to him afterwards, and he told me he didn't notice. But uh, that, that's how good a ring announcer I was. So, now I don't – he didn't care about it. I don't care about it. Uh-huh. Coin flip. Uh-huh. 
whatever whatever happens happens here. All right, right. Warren Beatty is nothing on you, Ron. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. So, uh, you know, Ron, we'll, we'll start with you in terms of uh, the matchup. Both guys obviously undefeated. Uh, Thurman is a guy that only fought once last year. Big high-profile fight against uh, Sean Porter that went the distance. Uh, Garcia fought a couple of times last year. Garcia is a, a guy I think that's uh, fought uh, the tougher competition, uh, although you could get into an argument with that, I, I suppose. Uh, but uh, Thurman is the guy everybody's saying is the natural welterweight. Uh, talk a little bit about how you uh, anticipate this fight going. Listen, I've lost money betting against Danny Garcia. Um, But he's fought the tougher competition at 140 pounds. Over the last um, three years, you could really question his selection of opponents. I'm going to go on just a quick rant against the WBC. He's a world champion because the WBC appointed Robert Guerrero as his opponent to fill the uh, WBC title. What a, what an incredibly bad choice that was. Guerrero, I love Guerrero, but I loved him more four years ago than I do now. Um, and by the way, they just picked Romain Stavern to be Deontay Wilder's next opponent. I hope that disappears. Uh, no, I, Garcia has not impressed over the last group of years. I love Danny Garcia. He's a total package of a fighter. He does everything well. Thurman does some things much better than he does. Uh, absolutely fascinating fight. I assume you don't want my prediction yet. But Gar- there's things that Thurman does better. He's a quicker-handed fighter. Uh, and I think he's got an equal punch to Garcia. But Garcia does everything extremely well. And nobody adjusts to a fight like Danny Garcia. I'll leave it All at right, that yeah, hold- unless you want no, no, uh, you could certainly give your official prediction later on in, in the show. Uh, just a little bit of a, a breakdown, so you will see. Uh, we get where you're at with that, and we'll, we'll, we're going to open up Joe now to, so he could do the same. Uh, don't give your pre- official, if I didn't make that clear, sorry. I'm having another Warren Beatty moment. Uh, don't uh, make your official prediction yet, Joe. Just uh, give us a little breakdown of, of the fight, uh, you know, how both of these guys got here and stuff like that. You know, you, you know how to do this. Yeah. Well, with Thurman, you got a very strong guy. The natural welterweight. I mean, in the amateurs, he was 152 pounds. And when he turned pro, he was a welterweight. He's still a welterweight. You know, you get a guy that's very strong. He has a lot of, he has that one punch power that everybody loves. And uh, he's actually, since turning pro, he's, you know, with the help of Dan Birmingham, his trainer, He's learned to box a little bit. He's more of a puncher boxer. And when Danny Garcia, you have a strong kid, just like him, you know, moving up in weight. So I know 140 was getting too uh, too tough for him to make. But he's a strong fighter with, with, with knockout power, and he's solid in everything. Not the, not the fastest guy, but very precise and very economical with what he does. And like I said, I said before, I just I just can't wait to see these two get it on. You know, you got mm-hmm. – it's what style is going to dictate the pace? Who's going to control the fight? The strong guy or the the the, the smart the, – the more economical guy? 
Mm-hmm. Now, you know Keith That's Thurman right. a little bit. Joe, you, you've worked with Keith Thurman, from what I understand. Does he have the kind of personality that strikes you like he would even care about some of that A-side, B-side stuff? I mean, I, I've been a big fan of his, and i become an even larger fan of his when he talked about how fights like this should be on network television and you know when i was a kid i couldn't afford showtime or hbo these fights should be on regular television for everybody to see not many fighters are, well, are going to say that <laughs> so i mean i don't know the guy personally but nope. you know i can't see how you not uh, how you don't applaud a comment like that yeah i i don't really know him that well i know uh i followed him since since the amateurs and uh, i was real good friends with well i was working with carlos quintana when he fought him, and it's he was just something like an open book, like you knew what you're getting with him, and you know he has the, like uh, like uh, how do I say he has the gift of gab, and he can back it up. It's just this is the stage where if you're gonna talk it, you gotta show it, and I, I really don't know. You know he talks very, he's a very good talker, and he he's been backing it up. Uh, whether he cares about the A side or B side, I really couldn't tell you. He might be the just type like I just want to get it on. You know, I really don't know, but uh, uh, I know what's going to happen when the, when that bell rings. There's going to be some fireworks. All right, thank you for that. And uh, you know, Zach, I mean, the total antithesis of like a, a Floyd Mayweather who used to before he became this big pay per view boxing guy used to go on WrestleMania and try and rob people to buy that pay-per-view and stuff like that. Obviously, uh, everybody has a different take, but uh, I don't know any fighter uh, other than Thurman that's uh, made that case. So, uh, I mean, I was uh, I admired him before then, but he was a big fan of mine uh, since then, just for that statement. But in terms of uh, the, the breakdown of the fight, how do you see uh, both of these guys approaching the fight? Uh, well, what's in the... You know, you know, I think that that Joe pretty much has it pegged. You know, it's funny that uh, not not to not answer your question, but within the Joe kind of worked with because he was with Devella, with Thurman when he was developed and fighting important fights like uh, Katana was one of his first you know real step up fights. I actually worked at his very beginning of his career. I did his first eight fights when he was with when he was at Starfight Promotions. So, right, you know, right, I right. saw him when he was in his infancy and then, you know, and then went to golden boy and then eventually, you know, got involved with the whole, you know, the whole situation with Heyman. And I'm, I'm sure that's when Joe had dealt with him. And, you know, I don't really know. Cause to tell you the truth, I, to answer the question, I don't know what Thurman is thinking at any moment. I, I mean, I don't, I wasn't, I, you know, I didn't have any intense conversations with him. I was just the matchmaker at the show. Uh, I wasn't even physically at a couple of those shows um, because I was living in Vegas in the time and it all took place in Tampa. But, I mean, he's an odd duck. He's an odd duck now. He was even an odder duck then. So to try to figure him out is not a good idea. So, I mean, so <laughs> even to think, to, to venture a guess of whether he gives a shit about, you know, who comes out first and this posturing, who would know? Who knows what's going on in that mind? I mean, and this is a guy that plays one of those weird uh, Australian, uh, you know, uh, flute things. You know, so, I mean, like, you know, you're really going to try to figure him out? I mean, it, actually, the, the, the more stable, grounded guy 
by a long way is is, is Danny. I mean, it, it's kind of. I mean, I guess you're probably going to get into that, but with him, you know, it, it that's what kind of is so mind blowing that his father is one way and he's the other. Because I mean, you never saw a more quiet, reserved, polite guy than Danny. He, he and and to a lot of degrees, he's the polar opposite of Thurman, who you know isn't isn't a isn't thuggy or or crazy or anything, but is a definite character, you know, and sticks out in a room and kind of wants you know wants to be like that, as opposed to if you just talk about personalities, to Danny who's almost reserved and shy. You know, I, I've never worked with Danny, but I have you know met him on a few different occasions, and I mean he's a guy that would you know seems to be comfortable fading into the woodworks than than to be the you know the center of attention. Mm-hmm. Well, since you threw it out there, that was obviously going to come up uh, about Angel Garcia, Zach, and uh, we'll start with you since you, uh, you know, served it up. Uh, obviously, uh, a lot has been made of Angel Garcia and his antics over uh, the years. Uh, this one, uh, I don't know if it was any different, but uh, a lot of racial slurs involved, as it has been before in the past with him and. Uh, he just seems to be up in the ante in terms of being uh, crazy. Uh, now, he's not going to be permitted from working the corner. From what I understand, he will be there. I know they had a final conference today that I think he was had played a limited role in uh, down in uh, Brooklyn. Uh, but, uh, you know, what do you make of it? I, I mean, uh, is the guy can the guy be that off? Because I, I always say if somebody is like that out in the public, imagine what they're like behind closed doors <laughs> so uh you know and in, in terms of uh, danny garcia how much responsibility does he have to try and rein his dad in a little bit if he has any responsibility at all so we'll start with you zach um yeah i i think he has definite responsibility and you know i went from feeling sorry for him to kind of be you know to kind of at this point saying like danny you know come on you know, because, I mean, it it went from him being this sort of eccentric character that, you know, was, you know, the antithesis of him, which is really weird because he's his father, to, you know, to now being an embarrassment. You know, I mean, if it was up to me, which obviously I got to say, and I, I, I would have kicked him out three fights ago. Um, and I'm not a big proponent of fathers and sons anyway. Um, I didn't follow Danny when he was an amateur. I actually, you know, wasn't living in, in Philly when he was, you know, you know, making the move towards becoming a pro, becoming a pro. I was out in Vegas at the time, but from what I understand, the father was not there. You know, you know, he, he came out of Harrogate right. gym. Um, you know, that, that's, uh, you know, that, that's, uh, uh, Skrillo's gym from what I understand. Skrillo was the trainer, um, you know, uh, Maz Gonzalez, who's a guy that's managed m- many fighters over the years, uh, the Ennis brothers, or a couple of guys that come to mind. You know, he was poised to be his manager, uh, you know, when he turned pro. And then Shelly Finkel came in, and the father came out of the woodworks, and everything went in a different direction. Now, I'm sure they have a different take on it, and like I said, I'm, I'm you know, I'm seeing that from the outside – as an outside observer and, you know, and I'm getting secondhand information there. Like I said, I, I know Danny to say hello to him. I've never worked with him, but just right, from right. someone who's worked in the business and has observed the situation, I think it's time to end it because I think the guy's gone from being like, you know, a silly, you know, to just being a total distraction. 
All right. Thank you for that. And, uh, Ron, we'll open your mic all up uh, to comment. Uh, but uh, I'll throw one out there for you, Ron. Let's say uh, Garcia is successful. He wins. And uh, a lot of it is uh, has to do with all these people pin it on the fact that uh, Thurman was a little off his game because of all the psychological warfare Angel was playing. I mean, if, if he loses, uh, obviously, then Zach's uh, request might have a little bit more power to it. Uh, it might be hard to get rid of the guy if he keeps winning with him. What do you think about the whole situation with Mr. Angel Garcia, Grant? Uh I've met Angel Garcia. I've done two fights, so co-announcing with Garcia, at least part of the night. And Zach certainly hasn't paid. I mean, he is a very shy kid, a sweetheart. I have no idea if he has any responsibility for Angel Garcia. Nobody could have too much responsibility for him. I, I don't care about him, and I don't think Keith Thurman cares about him either. So uh, I think it's immaterial. Uh, put that completely to the side when, uh, when this fight. It's not going to impact the fight. Nothing that Angel Garcia says impacts anything. Um, so, uh, no, I don't think it's a big deal at all. And Garcia is a sweetheart of a kid. Uh, and Thurman is a mystery. Um, but it's the fight that matters. Right. Sweetheart of a kid, but, uh, at the same time, you, you don't think he should be like, you know, try and tone it down. And if he can't control the dad, why keep putting him out there to disgrace him? You know, you don't think he bears any know. responsibility I, there? I, I don't know. I certainly never could control my father, um, so I don't know what. Uh, I don't know if I'd put that burden on Danny Garcia, and I just don't think it matters a lot. Not when it comes to the ultimate. Right. As a, I'm looking at this as a complete fan. I want to see the fight. Angel Garcia can do what he wants to do. He's not going to affect anything. So, right. Right. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan at this point. I got you. I got you. Well, Joe, I'll, I'll bring it up to you. Uh, if he can't control him, does he have responsibility to get rid of him? Uh, I don't think he'd get rid of him. One, that's his father. Two, they've been winning, and this is what they've been doing for the whole uh, – since the beginning of his career. So, uh, you know, obviously I think it's strategized where Danny, because he's not that type of uh, personality where he'll talk and say this and that. And his father is more vocal. So they just do it what they think is going to get the edge. You know, it worked. You know, you could say it worked a little bit with Zab Judah, where it got Zab thinking, you know, more about the father and wasting a lot of, you know, energy as opposed to just concentrating on Danny. But it's been successful for them. So, you know, if, as long as it's working, it's, they're probably just going to keep on doing it whether people like it or not, because I don't think Angel cares what me, what I think, or what anybody else thinks. As long as it's something, that's all that matters <laughs> to him. You know, and whatever, whoever thinks, oh, you shouldn't say this, but uh, he, he could really care less because his son, in the end of the day, his son's winning. I mean, do I agree with it? Uh, I mean, I, I understand it, but, you know, I, you know, I'm not too fond of it, but it is what it is to him. And his son's winning, and that's what matters. So if, it, if it's right. not broke, don't fix it. Yeah, that's certainly an, an aspect of it, and we'll see what happens Saturday night in terms of it. Uh, you know, uh, with all of his volatile behavior, 
Uh, sometimes have you ever like looked at his work with his son in the corner? Do you pay attention to that? And, and if so, what kind of a corner man do you think Angel Garcia is? Is he effective? I mean, obviously they've been uh, winning, and uh, sometimes uh, the trainer is just there, and uh, the fighters don't even listen to the trainers. It you know, a lot of the top guys. Uh, uh, do, do you think he, he is effective where he has been responsible for some uh, victories for Danny Garcia? I think it's just a matter of trying to get an edge and trying to get in the opponent's head. I mean, like you know, as you know, boxing is mentally as well as it's physically. And if the son could, you know, the son seems like a very cool, calm kid. If he could stay calm and let his father uh, piss off the opponent, <laughs> he's going to let him do it. I mean, you, you see a lot of people, you know, try to get in fighters' heads. And if uh, the fighter can just uh, put himself out of that and let his cornerman or, his, or in this case, his father and, and train <laughs> do the job, you know, he's going to do it so he could just reserve himself and uh, uh, keep his energies for the fight. It's pretty, it's, 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 uh, it's a thin line because, you know, he's gone overboard to some. And some people are like, no, nah, it's okay. And some people are like, how could he say that? So, you know, it's, it's a thin line of what you, the way you see, what someone will see it as. But like I said, uh-huh. his main main uh, focus is trying to do the best that he can for his son to win the fight, and right. he's thinking that's that's going to give him an edge. And will will Thurman like bite into it? Mm-hmm. I think you know in the you know in the beginning it, he admitted it annoyed him for a little bit, but then I think he caught it he caught himself. So if that would ever right, come right, right. you know come happen again, he just he'll just play it off and just either ignore it or just. Just uh, control himself so he doesn't get antsy like he did before, because right, you know right, that's right. just wasted energy. You know he fed he fed right into it. Floyd was a master of getting somebody in somebody's head. Yeah, you know, so you know he's basically doing the same thing, and he bit into it a little bit in that in the first press conference. You know, obviously they I think uh, he had a limited role in this press conference where they, they I'm sure they told him what he can and cannot say, and if he did talk. So it was just one of those things where he he just has to keep himself in check. All right. And the other thing I'm having trouble with with this fight, and uh, gentlemen, you, you can help me here if you if you know, throw it out there. I, I'm looking all over the place, and uh, I don't know who the officials are for this fight. I don't know the referee, the three judges. Uh, I've tried to, to search on the internet. Maybe. maybe uh, my Google search is not being kind to me. Uh, I haven't I haven't heard it announced. So uh, if you could throw it out there at some point when I open your mics, uh, but uh, then you know, and whoever gets it first gets it gets a nice prize. Uh, I don't know what it is, guys, because I don't know what you like. I know what Zach likes, but uh, you get a prize if you could throw that out there. But uh, gentlemen, the next question up is you know we're going to get your final predictions uh, closer to the end of the show. But right now, uh, the question is. What is Danny Garcia's best chance at winning this fight? What does he have to do to win? What do you th- if he wins? How do you think that it plays out? Like what would be the circumstances of a victory? Now he's a guy who's had a, a lot of questionable decisions, uh, a couple anyway, and uh, he's a guy that's had a lot of benefit from a lot of uh, weird things happening. Uh, you know, the the eye would Matisse say uh, things weren't you know things were pretty even up until then. Uh, the fact that Peter 
Anderson thought he was in a, a track meet for the first seven or eight rounds in their fight. It certainly helped him a lot. And obviously, he's pretty damn good at what he does. That's also <laughs> attributed to uh, his winning ways. But uh, I, I just think there's like a little, uh, you know, Malokia, whatever you call that, evil eye thing, uh, going on with him. I mean, he, he's a guy that's born with six toes, so he's strange in that matter. Uh, Thurman might be the odd man, but uh, Garcia is the guy that uh, is odd in every other way. A, a lot of uh, weird circumstances always seem to work in his favor. Mr. Christian, we'll start with you. If Danny Gar- What does Danny Garcia have to do to win this fight? Danny Garcia is, well, first of all, he completely lost that fight to Herrera uh, in Puerto Rico. That was an incredibly bad decision. But I think every decision after that was at least understandable. So I don't think anything super bizarre happened with Danny Garcia's wins. He is a great adapter. I mean, the kid adjusts to what his opponent does and, uh, and he doesn't always win impressively. In the last group of years, have not been impressive years from my standpoint for Danny Garcia. Uh, really, in any of his fights, uh, you know, Lamont Peterson was the only really good guy that I think he beat in the last group of years in the welterweight division. So he just needs to adjust, and he always has found a way to do it. And I've bet against him before and uh, and lost. He's going to need to adjust. Lamont Peterson does some, uh, excuse me, Thurman does things better. His hand speed is better. I think even his power is better. Um, but Garcia needs just to adjust and box him and control him and control the space. If he can do that, he certainly has a chance against, uh, against Keith Thurman. So, yeah, I see that possibility happening. All right, and Zach, uh, how do you see it playing out? If Danny Garcia is to win this fight, how do you see the fight uh, proceeding? Uh, I'll say this. You know, uh, Danny, I think when he's at his best, is not a load-up guy, is not a guy like, uh, uh, you know, even though he kind of burst onto the scene when he knocked Khan out, um, you know, even though he was obviously known to boxing people prior to that. But I don't think he's a guy that lands that one big shot. I think that he's a guy that, you know, is, is fairly technical, uh, that boxes first. And I think that, that the way for him to win is more, and it's going to sound like kind of coming in from the opposite way, but is more of if he can get Thurman to fight his fight. And I truly believe that even though Thurman won his last fight, he fought Porter's fight. So, you know, and I don't know if that's a trend with with Thurman, but right, I, agree, I, yeah. I guess what I, what, what I essentially mean is is that if he can get if Danny can get him to fight the fight he wants, which I assume is in the middle of the ring, pop shotting, kind of. You, I I I think that the technically better fighter is Danny, the more complete fighter. So if he can get him into a technical boxing match where the only big shots landed are ones that are, you know, placed with timing. With When someone makes a mistake, you know, someone throws a lazy jab, someone goes over top of it, or someone, you know, pulls back, you know, at the wrong, you know, basically some, you know, a high game of mental chess. If it becomes a chess match, it's Danny's fight. I think, 
you know, I think that, that you know, uh, you know, not to jump off to another fight, but like when Thurman fought Porter, you know, he let Porter go into his chest and stay there all night. And I was like, why isn't this guy letting him, keeping this fight in the middle of the ring where he can extend his arms? He, you know, he's the much more powerful guy. He's the bigger guy. Instead, he's fighting this guy on the inside and letting him stay right on top of him and smother him. You know, well, if the same thing is true where they're like playing high-speed chess in the middle of the ring by round five, it's Danny's fight. Now, it, you know, I, you know, obviously the Porter outcome was still in favor of Thurman, but you know, I don't know. I, I don't think you can play high-speed chess with Danny and, and and win the fight. I think you got to go out bombing. You know, he's the. I, I actually think Thurman's the better puncher of the two. I think that with him, if he's going to win the fight, he's got to come out and just try to blast this guy out of there and not try to not try to out technique him. All right, good stuff there. And uh, Joe, what say you? I think for Danny to win, like Zach said, he has to be very smart, very economical. Box keep keep his side defense because you already know what Thurman going to do is he's going to come out bombing, trying to bring that heat, try to drop some bombs on him because he wants to see if Danny can take his punch. He wants to see if he can take his strength and take the pressure. But at the same time, Danny has shown in the past how he can rise up to challenges. I mean, he fought Kendall Holt when Kendall Holt was knocking everybody out. He uh, knocked out Khan when Khan was on top of his game. Uh, he, you know, he beat Zab Judah, even though Zab was a little past his prime, was still dangerous. So he can't stand in there. I mean, he can't, you know, he can't stand up to a challenge. It's not like all of a sudden, you know, he he's just a, a media creation because he got those two, you know, you know, he got a decision that he wasn't supposed to get, or he almost lost to a Lamont Peterson. You know, he still stepped up to the plate and won. Uh, Thurman, you know, he's more of the athletic, stronger guy. I mean, he's more of a puncher than a boxer, but he can box if he needs to, as he showed in the Porter fight. But his game is, I'm going to bring, you know, I'm going to impose my will, I'm going to impose my strength, and I'm going to try to, I'm going to try to knock you out. <laughs> and uh, Danny, like in the Matisse fight, he played it cool early. You know, he was boxing, and then when, uh, when, uh, when his eye, when uh, Matisse's eye started swelling, he took advantage of it, and he took over. So he showed like he can adapt, and uh, with uh, Thurman, he's gonna have to bring the heat, and that's what just makes it such a good fight. All right, and subsequently, uh, and this is for everybody. We'll start with you first, Joe. Uh, what? And you kind of answered it already, but all you gentlemen in uh, describing this answer. But uh, for Keith Thurman to win, for him to be successful, what does he have to do? Like I said, he has to uh, impose his strength, impose his power, and impose his will because he is the stronger guy in there. He is the one that if he lands a hard shot, Danny may, you know, is going to get hit as hard as he's ever did in his life. But he wants to, you know, they don't call him one time for He doesn't call himself one time for nothing. If he hits you one time, that's sometimes that's all he needs. <laughs> so basically I think you're going to see – him really try to impose his strength. He's the natural, the natural bigger guy. He's been at mm-hmm. the welterweight division since the amateur days. So he wants to see if Danny could, you know, could take his, take his punches. He could take his strength. 
So I'm thinking that he's going to try to come in, come out there and try to impose his will and his strength at him. All righty. And, uh, Zach, same question for you. Uh, well, uh, you're asking if, uh, you know, what Thurman do to win? Um, like like what Joe said, you know, he's he's the, the more powerful guy. He's got to land big shots. You've got to hurt Danny. You've got to hurt him because – and I, I've never really seen – Danny truly hurt, like where he's like holding on, and see how he reacts to that. Um, I'll say the other thing that I think is kind of a a weird advantage for for Thurman is that he's got to listen to his corner, because I think as far as corners go, he has this far superior corner. I think right, 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 one of the right. best trainers in the world. Um, in fact, I've worked directly with him when I when I worked with Chari, um, and. And especially compared to Danny's corner, which I don't think much of. I think it, it's kind of amazing Danny's achieved as much as he has. If, if I was Danny and, you know, this fight didn't go his way and, you know, we talked about the whole father thing, not only should I think the father go, but I, I wish he would bring back Billy Briscoe to be his, to, who did work in his corner at one time. I think that would be mm-hmm. a, a really nice, uh, you know, combination of guys. And it would and it would improve Danny. Not that he's not a lot to improve on, but um, I think if Thurman listens to his corner, because he he just can't go and bomb in like a maniac. I mean, you know, and and because you know Danny's right, really right, anticipating right. that. But if he if, if he listens to Dan, because Dan is one of those guys that you know, it always has a plan B, C, and D in his head. So if he sees something not working. As long as he doesn't get all wrapped up in the emotion of, of a situation and just listens, you know he, you know Dan, you know like like I guess Dan would be like his guide to take him out of the out of the tunnel, you know like you know if, if he's lost in there for some reason or he can't figure it out, he should just not get you know angry or or, or, or frustrated or, or or just try to throw more bombs. And, and play into Danny's hands. He's got to listen to Dan. If he can't listen to Dan, if he, you know, if he just gets stubborn, he's going to lose the fight just on, you know, just on bullheadedness. All righty, and uh, Ron, uh, what do you have to say? Uh, um, no, these guys summarize this thing pretty beautifully. I think uh, the fact is, though, Garcia, even with a subpar corner in many instances, um, has got this natural adaptability that Thurman does not have, nor has he needed to have, because he's a superior athlete, a superior puncher with faster hands. Um, But Thurman has to come out punching and being the aggressor. He has to hurt Danny, and I've never seen Danny hurt. I've never seen him hold on. Uh, Not to say that it couldn't happen, because obviously it could happen to anybody, but uh, Thurman's going to have to hurt. Thurman's going to have to beat him up. And... um, you know, that leads us to our predictions, I guess. Yeah, I mean, and before we get into the predictions, uh, I, I see it a little differently. Uh, I think it's Garcia's the one that has to, uh, if he has a big chance of winning this fight, that has to show his power and hurt Thurman. Uh, Thurman was uh, visibly hurt against uh, Colasso, where he had to hold on. I think Thurman is the much better uh, skilled boxer here. I think he fights off the jab better, throws better combinations. Yeah, he's, uh, you know, on paper, he's got the, the, the one time and the one punch power, but I, I think he could, 
beat Danny Garcia even if he doesn't hurt him. I, I don't think Danny Garcia could beat Thurman if he doesn't hurt him, and we'll get into more of that with our predictions. But before we get into the predictions, I see it a little bit differently than the three of you. You guys are probably right, though, because I, you know, who, who am I? But you know, before we get into the prediction, let's talk a little bit about uh, the undercard. Uh, you have a, a, a big fight with uh, in the light heavyweight division with Farmfara and Dawson, where I thought Dawson was done. Uh, that's the big whole feature. Uh, so uh, a couple of minutes on that, gentlemen, if you will. I'll start uh, with Zach on that one. Uh, who do I like in that fight? Well, what do you, what do you think of it overall? I mean, uh, the, the Chad Dawson, uh, I mean, you know, I thought he was done. And here he is, a big fight. If he wins here, obviously he's a player again. Yeah, your overall thoughts. And uh, do you think it's uh, – do you think Chad Dawson is serious once again uh, about uh, being a contender? We know Fonfara is. Uh, yeah, I, I, I like Fonfara in the fight. I think younger, stronger guy. I, I, I think that, 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 you know, Chad is a, is a little shot. Um, you know, basically what that is, is just it's a, it's a positioning fight. I mean, it's like the winner of that fight, you know, gets, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I have no idea what the, what the plans are, you know, within the group there, but I'm thinking, you know, there's a Marcus Brown or, a, or, or, or somebody like that in the future of the winner of that fight. Um, and guess what? Even the loser of the fight could get retreaded again against, you know, if they want to bring back top dog, you know, who kind of got a, you know, I actually felt a little bad, bad for top dog, not to get off the subject in his last fight, getting like clearly waffled on the, on the mat while he was down and then trying to fight through it. And, you know, really kind of being out of the fight at that point. But, you know, you see that in, in, promotional groups this size they have so many guys that's like okay well if a guy loses we'll just you know we'll, we'll or, or wins the winner moves on to you know our showcase and the loser goes you know back into a uh, you know a, sort of uh, a, you know a, you know a, a stepping stone fight for somebody else or like a you know or, or in this situation this is kind of it's kind of funny this is a co-feature because you got Chad, I don't even remember what the last thing Chad did that was of note. And, and Funfair is coming off of getting blasted and won. So it's kind of like the, it's a retread for both of them. You know, so, you know, I mean, you don't commonly see that except for groups that are so big like this that they, they have to work these guys. They got to put them in some kind of position where they have some, you know, they have some worth. Yeah, and uh, the, the last time Dawson fought was in April uh, of 16 uh, against uh, Cornelius the Beast White. So uh, <laughs> there you go. But, uh, Joe, what do you think about the co-feature? It's, you know, the typical crossroads fight. You know, both uh, from far coming off that knockout loss to Joe Smith and Chad Dawson. He's coming off a couple wins, but he's lost, uh, I believe he's 3-3 three and three in his last six. So it's a it's a must win for both of them. Uh, I just think as athletic and and skillful Chad Dawson is, I just think he's seen his better days. I don't think he, you know, he has the legs and the energy that he can do what he did before. Uh, as you know, he's one of the best boxers with a tall, nice southpaw with fast hands, nice legs. I mean, he never had the greatest chin, but his legs were able to save him. But I just think Fonfar, the younger and the stronger guy. And usually, you know, you know, those first round knockouts that he suffered, it was bad. But I just think he has a, 
he has enough in the tank to take care of uh, Chad Dawson, but I wouldn't be surprised if Chad <laughs> Chad wins it. But if you had a, if you put it in the mind, I think Von Farrell would win, and it's uh, basically a, a a puncher versus boxer fight. Should be interesting though. I think I lost you a second. Uh, Joe, I think I lost you for a second there. You said it should be interesting, and then I didn't hear you, so go ahead. Interesting because, you know, the loser is going to go in the back of the line. If uh, Chad loses, it's, it might – it could be he's just a stepping stone for an up-and-coming fighter. And if Farah loses, you know, they'll probably get him a couple more wins back in Chicago where he's a, he's a very popular guy, and probably we won't see him in this kind of fight again until – for another uh, six to six months to a year, you know that's just the way the business is. So uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I I was Farah. So your, your favorite Farah? Yeah, you said your favorite yeah. Farah. Yeah, okay. yeah. I, would, I, I my heart says Chad, but my mind says Farah. All right, interesting there. I mean, Farah uh, is a guy, who, you know. I think he's gotten more credit in the, his losing effort to Don and Stevenson. And you always got to be careful of those guys. Their best performance was in defeat, obviously. Did a great job against uh, Chavez Jr. But uh, if we're going to you know, live on the notion that Chavez Jr. is not much, then how much credit could we give him for that victory? I mean, uh, you know, it's obviously a good win to have on his record, but, uh, uh, you know, Chavez Jr. is one of the more shitted on boxers of modern times, and rightfully so in his uh, approach in terms of uh, desire. So, I mean, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll see. And, uh, you know, Dawson, the best days may be way past him. What say you, Ron Christian? No, his best days are certainly past him. As Joe pointed out, three losses last six strikes. And note that those last six fights have taken five years to accomplish. So he fights a little more than once a year. Uh, this fight's only relevant. There's no really relevance to either fighter from a world-class standpoint. But Fonfara's a fun guy. Uh, you know, something's going to happen. Uh, I have no freaking clue if you're going to ask me who's going to win that fight. Um, Dawson, even as advanced beyond his... Uh, Prime days is a better fighter than Fonfara, but Fonfara, being younger and probably stronger guy, may have an edge. Uh, it's going to be a fun fight, though. I like it. You know, I certainly like it more than watching Heather Hardy fight. Oh, did I just say that? <laughs> yeah. No love for Heather Hardy. Uh, the heat is coming, Ron. Uh, women's boxing is, is going to be a big splash in seventeen. You're not on board. Yeah, I heard that about 20 years ago, too. <laughs> so I, I wasn't going to throw that fight out there. We, we, we're just pressed for time here. But the, the, now that we know your thoughts, we'll, we'll, we'll be keeping uh, in the frequent contact uh, Saturday night as it unfolds. So uh, good stuff there, Mr. Christian. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, I, I certainly think you know, a lot of these fights at Barclays, they've been uh, in front of raucous crowds. And uh, Chad Dawson uh, is the kind of guy that could uh, diffuse such a emotional crowd. So we'll see. Fonfara, a little bit more of a crowd pleaser. So, uh, you know, interesting matchup. And uh, like Zach said, interesting choice. Uh, Mr. Christian, your mic is open. Do you, do you, do you mind going first with the, the, oh, the official prediction 
for this big welterweight Look showdown? Look, you want me to, uh, I'll then probably finish this off the conversation. Listen, I've lost a lot of money betting against Danny Garcia. And when you look at what they've done over the last group of years, forgetting about a close decision by um, Thurman over Sean Porter, and it was a tough fight. Uh, the one common opponent they've had is Robert Guerrero. Uh, Thurman easily dominated him uh, a year before Garcia had that ridiculous fight for the title, uh, which in which he lost at least four rounds out of that fight. Um, so certainly in the comparative class of opponents, you've got to give Keith Thurman the edge. But I've lost too much money betting against Danny Garcia, and maybe I'm a little bit of a homer, but I think Garcia is going to find a way to make it happen. And it's only instinct, because this is just very close to a 50-50 fight. Uh, I think Garcia wins the decision. All right, I, now uh, we're, we're pressed for time, so uh, we'll come back to it in uh, the archive, the overtime segment. But I want to get everybody's prediction live. So, but uh, real quick though, is this a fight you would be willing to put shackles on? Because you said uh, you lost a lot of money. Uh, I, I, I would think this is a fight to stay away from in terms of the betting circumstance. I, I have not put any money on this fight at all. This, this to me is a fifty-fifty fight. I'm p- picking a winner because you've asked for one. Uh, and again, I'm going to say Garcia only because he's uh, fooled me so often in the past. Right, right, um, right, right. I would not put money on this fight. All right, good stuff there. And uh, Zach, you're up next. Uh, well, uh, you know, look, any guy who has big power, and I think Thurman has big power. You know, when you have a big eraser, you can, you know, you can, you can win any fight. Um, it would not shock me if, like, Thurman just flattened him in three, four rounds. I mean, it, I'm, I'm not kidding about that. Um, just because when you have power, you have power. Um, that being said, I'm going to look at it like kind of like, you know, if I was literally matching it on like a, you know, like a six-round fighter undercard type of thing. You have one guy who fought once last year. You know, we, keep, we were talking about him fighting, you know, Thurman you know, as fighter of the year, the guy fought once right? and, right, and right. only fought twice the year before. He fought three fights in like, like two and a half years. So he's not exactly Mr. Activity. Um, and I wasn't bowled over by his performances in any of those fights. I, you know, uh, I, I've always thought that Guerrero, who is their common opponent, is a blown up featherweight. Uh, he was clearly hurt by Colazzo, who turns out is a dangerous guy, but Still, he was clearly hurt in that fight, and would seem, uh, and you know, and the Porter fight, even though it was a hell of a fight, it was fought on Porter's terms. Um, I just, I, I see Danny as a guy who rises to the occasion. Every time he's been kind of like doubted, and he's just a more complete guy. So I mean, uh, I mean, unless he gets caught, you know, which is, you know, is you know, I'm going to hedge my bet, I guess, with that, but. I just I, I see Danny winning a decision and a clear decision. All righty, uh, Joe. So we got two for Garcia. Joe, what say you? Oh, as much as I would like to go against him, I, the way I see it, I see it similar to the Matisse fight where everybody's thinking Thurman is too strong and he's just too strong. He's going to overpower him. But Danny's, you know, very smart, very economical. Knows how to keep his tight defense. Like I said, I've never seen him hurt 
in a fight where he's almost about to go down. I mean, I've seen him tired and getting hit, but I've never seen him where he's on queer streak. I mean, well, you know, he's wobbled about like one or two punches about getting knocked out. Uh, Thurman, you know, you know, everybody keeps talking about that body shot with Colazzo, but anybody who Colazzo hit with that particular body shot is gonna is gonna have the same effect. You know, uh, Colazzo, as you've seen, you know, he's a deceptive fighter. He's more fat. he's fast, but he does have that deceptive uh, punch. But uh, if you put a gun to my head, I would lean towards Garcia because he's the more smarter, more economical, more better overall fighter. And I just think he, he, he can keep his cool while Thurman is trying to get at him in early in the rounds. And then as Thurman tries to box, I think he's going to come on where he can be very economically aggressive and pick his shots and then eventually win a decision. I think it's going to be uh, uh, it's going to go both ways early and then at the end I just think Danny just takes over. So if you ask me who would lean uh, Garcia, but if you ask me tomorrow I'll probably have a completely different answer. But right now, Danny Garcia is, I think is going to win the decision. All righty. Well, uh, I disagree with all three of you, and I think Garcia's uh, best chance to win is, is if he has that what if moment. Uh, and what I mean by that, in his best wins against his toughest competition, uh, you can't deny the fact that he had what-if moments. What if the eye on Matisse did not blow up? Would he have won that fight? I'm willing to say no. What if Peterson decided to fight in the pocket early in the fight instead of the last few rounds? Would Garcia have won that fight? I'm going to say no. Uh, you know, yeah, he has the the big shot against Khan. Uh, uh, so, you know, he, the idea that he is uh, the guy who wins the chess matches, uh, I just don't uh, agree with. I think Thurman, although, yes, he has the big right hand, he has the one time, I think he, he is more equipped for, for that. And if Garcia doesn't put a hurt on him at any point, I think it's going to be an easy decision win for Thurman. I don't think Thurman will knock him out because – in his higher stakes fights, again, when he stepped up in competition, he's won decisions. So I think, uh, been, you know, except with the exception of Porter, comfortable decisions. And I think he beat Porter by a couple of rounds, and, uh, you know, that's a good win. So I think easy decision for Thurman, gentlemen. And I, I don't, you know, we'll, we'll definitely have bragging rights and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but that is my official prediction. Now we have... Only a couple of minutes left on the live feed, but we could go over time a little bit. I want to talk to the, uh, all of all three of you about what you've got going on, anything you might want to plug, but that'll be in the archive. Uh, so anybody listening live can listen to that once the show is ready on Blog Talk Radio. It usually takes about 20 minutes uh, to process for the archive to be ready. You could also find this show on iTunes. Go to iTunes, put in Zoot's Boxing Talk in, in the search bar, and, and you could find the show and listen to it uh, again. 90. And remember to go to ringnews24.com, maxboxing.com, and ringsidereport.com for your boxing and mixed martial arts. Fixes. I don't, uh, I'm not going to bring up the fact that there's a big UFC fight Saturday night as well. But, uh, gentlemen, all three of you are invited to come on the post-fight show. I'm going to have a post-fight show immediately after this fight. So hopefully, I, I know Ryan has already committed to that. But uh, we are going to uh, just close out. With, if you want to continue with some other stuff, uh, we could do that. But uh, I'm going to go to everybody right now. And 
it is your time to say what, what you got going on or anything you want us to know about yourselves. We'll start with Mr. Christian. So I, I know who is dying to pick apart my prediction. Uh, I don't think you heard any, any one of the three of us give an overwhelming endorsement for Danny Garcia's win on this. So <laughs> I, I'm just a little concerned about your predictability uh, over these last couple of weeks. I don't know what's going on, but I, you may be a little off when you told me that Deontay Wilder was impressive in that terrible <laughs> win. Uh, so, I, you know, a little bit of your credibility is eroded. So I'm not going to lie to you. But. Well, that's a far, that's different from predicting, Ron. I, I mean, that, 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 yeah, year, that was even worse. That was after the fact you got it wrong, which is amazing. Well, well, we'll certainly see. I mean, uh, but uh, I mean, I, I, I certainly, uh, you know, I, I could certainly see a what if moment. Garcia has Lady Luck on his side, and he's good. Dangerous combination for anybody. But unless one of those things happen, he's not going to win if this is a straight-up boxing skills chess match over 12 rounds. Uh, Thurman is the much better fighter in that capacity. He's either going to have to hurt Thurman or close his eye or a cut, something something unconventional. And then Danny Garcia has a damn good chance of winning. I'll give you that. I like what Joe said. Call me tomorrow, and I'll give you a different answer. Uh, Nobody has a strong opinion. You're the only one who's voicing a very strong opinion here. Uh, but uh, you've got partial endorsements for Garcia from the three of us. I got you. And I'm very strong. In the, and I gave a very strong endorsement as to how Danny Garcia could win this fight. So I could definitely see it happening. But that's how it will happen. Not how the three okay. of you said. <laughs> Anything else you wanted to know uh, out there, buddy? Uh, what's going on with you? Uh, I know you're coming on the post-fight show. So always looking forward to that. Uh, any other uh, things out there you got going on that you want us to know in the boxing world? No, just, just a very quick note, uh, the passing of uh, Marty Feldman, who was a world-class trainer from Philadelphia. I don't know if you know him. He, he trained eight world champions, was a first-class uh, trainer, uh, astonished me. He watched me work a heavy bag and told me nine things I was doing wrong that uh, mm. no mm. trainer had ever pointed out to me before. I passed right, away right. Uh, a week ago. So, uh, you know, honors to him, 10 count for him. Yeah, sure. I will definitely do a moment of silence soon for that. Yeah, I, I know all of them. I never uh, met him personally, but uh, thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, looking forward to I know you'll be texting me during the fight. And hope, hopefully you'll give me my due when it comes out exactly as I said. Remember my Marcos Madonna Mayweather one prediction? Yeah. That was the last time yeah, you gave me credit good. for anything. You did good. <laughs> All right, uh, Zach, you're up next. What do, you, what do you got going on? I don't know if you're available for the post-fight show, but we'd love to have you on. If not, uh, we'll talk again soon. But uh, tell us what you got going on out there. I know you're a busy man in the world of boxing, as always. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, uh, just to add on to what uh, Ron was saying, uh, uh, Marty Feldman probably is most notable for training Frank the Animal Fletcher. He's also the father of Damon and David Feldman, who are ex-fighters and both promoters. Just in case you uh, didn't know the connection there. Yeah, I mean, Um, I know of Feldman, and uh, he's one of those guys where, you know, especially when it came out of his passing, that uh, I've never seen a negative word said about him, which is rare in this business. (laughs) Uh, As far as, uh, I guess, what I'm doing, uh, I 
I've got a guy fighting on the uh, MSG show, the, um, the St. Patrick's Day show, the day before Triple G. Um, nice little prospect uh, that I had on my last show, a guy named Larry Gleason Friars, uh, Lethal Larry, he's 2-0. He's going to be on the same show um, with uh, Conlon, the uh, you know the Irish Olympian. Um, that's the top-ranked show. Uh, and then I'm have a show April 15th in Cornwall, uh, Ontario, Canada. It's uh, the hometown of Tony Lewis, who will be the main event. Uh, and then the following week, I'm in Palm Springs, and I have a, a a whole laundry list of guys on that show. Mostly Latino, uh, you know, uh, fighters, uh, Max Becerra, uh, David Lopez, Eric Altamirano. Uh, uh, and I'm probably leaving a couple of people out of there. I can't even think of right now, but what's in uh, pretty much an all Latin lineup. Uh, uh, Louis Correa is another guy on that, on that lineup as well. Ah, good stuff there. So it's going to be at the theater of Madison Square Garden or the, the main arena? Uh, the theater. Uh, I, I'm, I believe that's the theater, uh, and is the uh, is that that's the uh, the it's a Unamash show, and I I'm assuming that the uh, the two main attractions of that are Conlon's debut, and I think the the Brazilian Olympian is also on that card. Uh, but I, my only role on the card is that you know that um we promote the guy Friars who's who's on the undercard. He's a, like a two and O fighter. Oh, good stuff, Stan, and I will definitely try and meet up then because uh, you're, you're very close to me uh, in the in the garden. So uh, we'll talk off the air about that. And a uh, big fan of Tony Lewis have has have had him on uh, a bunch of times on this show for interviews. So uh, looking forward to seeing him getting back in action. All right, Joe, first time. Uh, what do you think? Uh, something you want to do again, my friend? Yeah, no, definitely, definitely. You guys are characters. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, uh, actually, in uh, March 17th, I have a we have a fighting on the undercard as well. Honduras Olympian Teofimo Lopez. He was one of the he was one of a rarity where he actually won the U.S. Olympic trials at 132. But because of the IABA ruling, he wasn't selected to compete in the Olympics for the United States. Where so what he did is his parents were from Honduras, so he basically represented them. And he he was robbed in the first round to the eventual silver medalist. I forgot his name, but uh, Tiafimo, if just remember that name because he's really good. I would say, you know, I don't put I don't uh, I don't uh, put a, put out a check with my mouth too much, but this kid is Floyd Mayweather good. That's how good he is. And when you see him, you see a lot of Floyd Mayweather. You see, you see, you see the future. Put it that way. But that's March seventeenth. What we have. So uh, I know. I'll where where at March seventeenth? I'm sorry. Uh, March seventeenth. Uh, at the theater. The same oh, show okay. that I'm uh, talking about. So you should, you should come down, and if uh, Thurman wins, you could rub it in our face, and <laughs> if uh, oh, Garcia is, we'll rub it on your face. <laughs> I'll yeah. definitely make it a point to get down there. I'll talk to you guys off the air about that, but uh, looking yeah. forward to meeting you, meeting you Joe. Yeah. So, uh, stuff there. And what else do you no. have going on? Uh, March 10th, we uh, I, we have split team management has two fighters fighting on the Showbox uh, card. Wesley Tucker, he's a, a little Zab, he's a mold of the Zab Judah, where the small, short, powerful, short southpaw in the world of weight division has a lot of speed, has a lot of power. And is very strong, and 
he's I think he's fighting the co-feature and uh, Antonio Nieves is the main event. He's number f- he's the number five WBO bantamweight in the world, and he's defending his NABO title. So be on the lookout for that. And uh, we also have some other fighters uh, fighting in I believe oh, it's all actually all over the place. But uh, a couple ones we had Joseph Williams win on Showbox a couple weeks ago. He's a light heavyweight. Uh, light heavyweight contender that was uh, the 2012 Olympic alternate to Michael Hunter. That's someone to look out for because I think he probably he could compete right now with the best of the uh, light heavyweight division. He's 28 years old. He fought, he's a mixture between James Tony and Joe Frazier. So if you if uh, if you ever get a chance to see him fight in his next fight. I'm pretty. You'll, you'll be seeing a mixture of those two, and uh, our, one of the big guys I'm really high on is Jonathan Figueroa. He's fighting on March 26th in Detroit, Michigan. Actually, we have two prospects fighting. Uh, Jonathan Figueroa was the national junior Olympic champion. Uh, he beat a lot of uh, a lot of uh, top ranked amateurs. He beat, he beat uh, Brandon Lee, who just turned pro. Uh, he beat uh, Josue Vargas, who signed with TMT, and quite a bunch of other fighters. And uh, we also have Marcus Carter. Marcus Carter, uh, super heavyweight national Golden Glove champion. He won all his fights by knockout. And the best thing about him, he's still 18 years old. <laughs> so uh, you'll be hearing a lot from Marcus Carter. Uh, you're going to hear a lot from Switchy <laughs> Management. <laughs> we have a lot of good fighters. Right, right. Uh, it's a growing company, but the thing is, we have a lot of good fighters from Antonio Var- Olympians, Antonio Vargas, Charles Conwell, Teofimo Lopez, and we have Olympic alternates like uh, Ardriel Holmes. Uh, we have Marquise Moore, who's a 165 pound uh, undefeated prospect, and like the ones I mentioned before, Janelson Figueroa. Marcus Carter and Joseph with light heavyweight uh, contender Joseph Williams. So we have a good uh, foundation, and that's just some of the ones I'm I'm mentioning. There's a lot of other good fighters that we have in our stable, but uh, I fell into a good place in a good position, and uh, you'll be hearing a lot from us and our fighters. All right, good stuff there, and uh, you know, guys, all, all everything you're throwing out there, and the stuff that Zach's talking about, and all these fights coming up. Uh, you know, got me thinking to throw this out there, and all three of you can answer this. I know Zach and I have spoken about this in the past. Is, I mean, what do you say to those uh, people? And I don't want to put age on it, but it's mostly old timers who say, "Oh, there's no talent. There's no good fighters out there anymore today." I mean, I think there's a hell of a lot of talent, and you, you just named a, a few. Now, I admit it takes a keen, unique eye to see the greatness of Deontay Wilder, but uh, what about it? Uh, what's your response to the, the old man card? Like, there's nothing going on like what happened in my day, Joe. Do you hear that often? Because I hear it a lot. It drives me crazy. Are you talking to me or? Yes, sir. Oh, I mean, yeah, no. I mean, it's for every fighter, you know, you say this guy wouldn't, this fighter wouldn't last in my day. There's maybe for every 10 fighters, there's maybe like two that could, I mean, like I said, like Teofimo Lopez, that kid could, I mean, he's real. I don't say people are special. That kid is special. And like I said, uh, Janelson Figueroa and Marcus Carter, those guys, 
you're going to hear a lot about them because they work hard, they're care, you know, they they have good personality, and want to make they can fight and they love to fight. Um, but then you get you know you get these guys where you don't know what everyone's trying to emulate Floyd Mayweather and they're getting hit with right hand. There's not a, there need to be more teachers in the game and not uh, padmen or just uh, guys with towels around their shoulders. I'm sure you see that a lot. So, but uh, mm-hmm. for every, to me, like every, for every 10 fighter that I say that, that didn't last my day, there's like two or three of them. So hope there'll be many more. So I could say there's like for every five or six, because boxing is a, has been around for a long time. It's one of the most popular sports in the, in the world. And, you know, everything, everybody's saying UFC is taking over, but I think boxing is coming back where the fighters are being, are much better and they're more the more showmen where people you know it's not just about how you fight it's how you uh present yourself to the public so you know the more the more the better fighters the more showmen the more interesting boxing can get right 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 yeah you know, and what you said reminded me uh of Greg Haugen I've interviewed in the past and he said that uh, anybody that puts uh, holds a water bottle a water bottle and throws a towel around their shoulder thinks they're a trainer now, I, I'm probably the only big UFC fan uh, on the MMA fan, rather, uh, on on the panel. But the, one thing about the UFC is they, you know, you can't run and hide. You got to fight the best, and uh, that's when boxing is at its best, and that's when you see the best of fighters. And we're getting down a lot more this year than we did last year, so that's a good sign. Ron Christian, uh, I, I know you're in the, you know. You like to talk about how much older you are than me, uh, but you don't strike me as the old man card guy. When you recognize talent of today, you say it. But uh, what do you think about that uh, the statement? I mean, uh, I know you're not a big social media guy, but it's all over the place all the time. Uh, you know, if you listen to some of these guys, uh, there's not one good fighter out there today. That's it's a tendency and always had. I remember Nat Fleischer who. Uh, established Ring Magazine back in the 1920s, uh, and I had some communication with him. I'm old enough to have actually had communication with that pleasure. And it always astonished me back in the 60s, uh, you know, when it came to picking the greatest fighters of all time, Bob Fitzsimmons was on his list, and guys from way back when, and it kind of drove me nuts. You know, old. it was said at the time that boxing people only remember the people who are fighting when they lost interest in this inevitably happens. Apparently hasn't happened to me yet. Uh, I'm still interested. Uh, I still, I love the current fighters, uh, but what has to be said is you're talking about a totally different era when guys would fight. I mean, Sugar Ray Robinson fought Jake LaMotta, for example, he fights him and then he fights him three weeks later. Something happens to guys who fight that often you know, guys who have hundreds of fights. Last one I remember, like, that was Archie Moore way back when. Um, so there is, I've got to believe that there's something that enables a guy to be better if he has 200 fights. I, I don't know that he ends up better in life. In fact, I'm pretty sure he doesn't. But there is to be something to be said for that. But I love the modern fighters. I love them. I'm a, a huge fan of the current guys. 
Right, and, and that's a fair point. But to, to, to be fair, that would not be happening if Robinson and Lamont were fighters of today. I mean, it's just a, it's a matter of circumstance. I don't think it's in keeping with, with the talent is out there. Not to say, you know, Robinson's not more talented. Obviously, you're talking about a guy who's at the top of the mountain, so to speak. But uh, you know, Zach and you and I have always have have this conversation on many occasions. I know this is a big pet peeve for you, and uh, you know. Like, like yourself, I, I watch a lot of old fights, collector of old fights, and I remember watching the uh, Carlos Monzon and Neil Griffith fight. And the announcer's talking about uh, these guys pale in comparison to the days of the Robinsons and the Zales and whatnot. Emil Griffith and Carlos Monzon, they were saying that about, Zach. I mean, it just uh, sometimes there's just no merit to it. Well, you, you know, uh, uh, to kind of touch on what uh, what Ron says, um, and he's right that, you know, uh, Matt Fleischer would literally have, I have, you know, a big collection of, of ring magazines going all the way back to the forties. And you read, you know, not just Nat's, uh, uh, you know, pieces, but like some of the people that wrote in, like some of the, you know, some of the, you know, the, the, you know, the, the, the mail they would get. And it was like, Oh, uh, you know, the, and, and we're talking like, like you just said, you know, guys that now are like considered, you know, really great fighters in history. Like, and you'd see articles like Dick Tiger wouldn't last one round with Mickey Walker. <laughs> like, right, right, right. Oh, yeah. Dick Tiger seems like a tough <laughs> bastard to me. Like, yeah. like, you know, everything, you know, when you're, when you're in the moment, you know, like, you know, and, and you know what the best example to give for this? And it was a great point, And I think it was pretty much the theme of the film. If you ever see a movie called Midnight in Paris, it's Woody Allen's film. And right, yes, yeah. it's basically about a guy that travels through time as he goes through walks in, in Paris and he meets all these great writers. He, you know, you, you know, he meets Hemingway and um, I'm sure I'm going to think of, so, uh, uh, of, you know, some of the great writers he, he met along the way. And there's like, you know, Hemingway going, oh, I'll never be Voltaire or people criticizing him. Like every era is never as good as the era before you know, it, it, that, that just seems to be human nature, you know, and, and the, the reality of it is, is that there's stiffs in every era and there's guys that could fight in every era. And I, I, you know, I, I'm pretty sure that Pacquiao and Mayweather and De La Hoya and, and if you go a generation back, Hagler and Leonard right, could all fight in any era. And, and mind you, you know, styles have completely changed too. I mean, like, you know, like they say, you know, they say like, oh, well, a guy like, I don't know, Hollyfield would have destroyed Jack Johnson. Well, they felt completely different then. I mean, if, if, if you notice the old films of Johnson, they had this leaping right, in, right. throwing a bunch of punch style, and then grappling. You know, I mean, boxing has evolved. You know, so, you know, it's hard to say. You know, I, I, I'll say this, and I wasn't even going to go there, but I, I'll say it anyway, and, and, and I'll, I'll speak for Joe. It's a, one thing that is better from today's era is the matchmakers. And I'll tell you why. People go, oh, like, how dare you? Sacrilege. Right? And I'm not saying I'm better than, uh, you know, uh, Bruce Trampler or Johnny Boz or, or, or any of the, or, or, or even Pelts or if you want to go, you know, to the ultimate, you know. I'll uh, say it. Uh, Allow me to say it. I'll say it. You are better. Okay. Or, or, or you want to go to the <laughs> ultimate and say Teddy Brenner, say Teddy Brenner, which is like considered right, the all-time right, right. great matchmaker, right? Oh, right, right. right. And, and, and you know, and, and you know, and those guys were brilliant in their own right. 
and probably I wouldn't exist without them. You know, I wouldn't exist without Bruce Trampler because I grew up watching Bruce Trampler's, you know, ESPN top rank boxing, you know, in the early 80s. But here's why we're better. Because back then, and we're talking, when I say back then, I'm I'm just talking about early 80s. They had double the amount of fighters, no medicals, uh, no, no suspension lists. Uh, no federal IDs. So, like, you know, Russell Peltz in 1979 could just call up Augie's gym and go, send me a, a heavyweight, a middleweight, and a bantamweight. And three guys showed up as, at his office an hour later. Try doing that now. You know, me, right, and, right. Me, me and Joe, usually after every fight, have to be hospitalized. Or at least, I, <laughs> I, 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 I can tell you this, I, I know Joe will never say it, but I think Joe, for working all those years for DeBellin, deserves combat pay. So <laughs> just for putting up with Lou, I mean, you know, I mean, you know, I'm shocked that there's old matchmakers because, you know, we've been, you know, we're stressed to the limit, you know, because of all. And then, and then let's let me talk about the crazy requirements of commissions and, you know, you know, that, you know, fights that are absolute, you know, good fights that get turned down and, and you know, and, and then, you know, the insanity of all the travel that goes on and the logistics. I mean, it's you know I I just did a show in California uh, three weeks ago, and and I I never can shake this feeling, but it definitely was in full effect for this show because it was I had the main event pull out I had I had five pullouts overall in the show including four A side, and yet I got six fights and L, they were all good they were all competitive, and I literally for the first like half of the show just sat there and went I can't believe this is happening. Like, right, like, right, and right. that that and then to tell you the truth, that's not to go on and on, but I mean that's kind of been a thing with me since you know that's one thing that's never gone away, and maybe that's a good thing. I've kept a little bit of my spirit, but that like I remember when I first started doing fights uh, in 97, 98, and I mean like I would be in shock that these two like I actually called these guys and now they're fighting each other. I was like, oh my god, I actually made this happen. You know, a little mind blowing, mm-hmm. you know, because this is the crap that I used to you know kind of like put together in a notebook, you know, after like studying the ratings of KO magazine in 1983, you know, so, you know, for for to actually do it, it's like, Hey, I'm actually doing something I used to fool around with when I was a kid. So it's a little mind blowing, but it's also like, you know, not, you know, I think people have this idea that we found like, uh, you know, uh, 14 guys in the street and say, okay, you fight him and I'll fight and he'll fight him and then, you know, meet in the parking lot. You know, there's so much that goes on. There's so much mm-hmm. negotiation. There's so many contracts. There's so much hassle that it's 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 amazing anything happens. So and and it, you know, so when these guys go, oh, the golden era, you know, or even the Johnny Boz era when Johnny used to go down to the graveyard and get you a guy. So well, that can't happen now. Now it's like now you have to grind it out. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Uh, good stuff. I, I, I mean, the, the, definitely, and uh, the, that's why you're the best, Zach. Uh, uh, love your <laughs> candid, love your candidness. I mean, uh, Tomb of Jackula fan references <laughs> Wood, references Woody Allen knows Trump is a complete fraud. Although we don't want to talk about that at all. Does a spot on impression of Mr. Peltz. I mean, what, what what can't you do, Zach? What can't you do? But, <laughs> but that, that, thanks for explaining that, and uh, it certainly uh, 
puts an exclamation point of this point. Uh, Joe, uh, you know, I don't know if you want to <laughs> follow up with any comments after that uh, brilliant uh, soliloquy, but uh, now's your time. Now's your chance. To do. I'll say, how do you follow Zach after that? <laughs> you, know, he, <laughs> you can't follow you know, that. Like, like well, whatever era. That, Whatever era, era you're in now, the fires from before is going to say, yeah, they were better before, you know. But like I said, there are some good talent out there, some real special talent out there. Whether it with Splitty or with any other fighters, there are some, as you've seen in the Olympics, there are some good fighters like Shakur Stevenson or Mike Conlon. There, there are some real good up-and-coming fighters. And boxing, you know, it, it, you could say is in a comeback right now. There are a lot of good fights coming on. Like fighters are fighting fighters because they they realize there's no choice. You can't get be protected like you were in the past. You can't get show. There's no more show. There's no real showcase fights on big TV. You got to fight, and that's what the fans want to see. And the more right, fans, right. the more uh, the more satisfied the fans, the more better it is for boxing. Yeah, that's what we're certainly getting in this calendar year. So let's keep it going. And uh, we are running out out of time, so I am going to close. I'll thank you all, gentlemen. But uh, another brilliant thing that uh, Zach did, and I'm being, uh, I'm not being uh, sarcastic or trying to be funny with this at all, is uh, he introduced me to uh, Mr. Christian. I would have never known Ron Christian uh, had it not been for Zach. So it's another one of his brilliant. Uh, uh, ploys, uh, Mr. Uh, Christian. I know you're enjoying all this. You, you, you know, you, you you love hearing great boxing talk, and that's what we're getting right now. Absolutely, absolutely. I'm surprised you right. still talk to Zach after he introduced you to uh, me, but that's all right. <laughs> one of the one of the top fifteen moments of my life. Mr. Christian, and you have such a great fan base on this show. I got people talk. Oh, how come Ron wasn't on this week? When's he coming back? I get that all the time. I kid you not. I've got a big family. <laughs> well, Ron, it should be fun. Uh, all you guys should be fun Saturday night. Uh, well, we are going to close it out uh, because uh, I'm, I'm just frankly out of time. The, the show's going to stop uh, recording in a couple of minutes, so. Uh, uh, good stuff there, gentlemen. Hope to speak to you again soon. Saturday night, we will have a post-fight show on. And uh, I didn't get this in on the live feed, but another plug I want to throw out there, my friend John Responte, uh, excellent boxing book uh, that he co-wrote with uh, Dennis uh, Taylor, Intimate Warfare, the true story of the Arturo Gotti versus Mickey Ward trilogy. You can get that on Amazon as well. Uh, gentlemen, thank you all. I'm going to open up all your mics at the same time to say goodbye. This is the first time I'm, I'm doing this on this show, so you can all talk over each other if you want. Uh, been great stuff, and uh, now's your time to say goodbye, gentlemen. Yeah, Have a good night, guys. Ron, look forward to meeting you. You can oh, hopefully uh, get to talk basketball and just say trust the process because I can't ah. trust my process over here. Uh, Zach and Anthony, I'll see you March 17th in New York, hopefully. There you go. There you go. Look for it. All right. Sounds good. I'll look for it. Sounds good. Knicks versus uh, Sixers. Uh, I think you guys got the edge on that now, you Philadelphia guys, but uh, we'll we'll keep on doing it. And uh, as I promised before, we'll have a, a couple of moments, a couple of seconds, rather, of silence for the late Marty Feldman. Good stuff there, gentlemen, for uh, throwing that out there. So here we go. You will be missed, and we'll be back on the air Saturday night after the fight. Thank you.